church, but I need you to be honest, and I'm, I'm not judging. I'm just asking a question. The name of the series is All In. How many of you have ever played poker? Raise your hand. Great. Speaking of the right crowd. Anyway, um, we'll talk more about that later. Hey, uh, I, by the way, I love poker. I, 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 you, anybody watch it on TV? Like, I, I can get into it. Like, I can get in. I, I've, I've, never, I've never lost a dollar playing poker. <laughs> lost a couple hundred. But I've never lost a dollar. Never, ever, ever, ever. Um, I want to talk to you today about moving from spectator to participator. And, and I thought the way I'd set this up is like this summer, this summer coming up, if you are going uh, water skiing, let's say you love to water ski and you got a boat and, um, or wakeboard or whatever, and you, you're on Lake Hartwell or Lake Kiwi or Jocassee, whatever, whatever, and, and you want me to come along, I'm in. Like, I'm in. Because I can be a spectator and watch. I, I can enjoy everything associated with water skiing. I can, I can ride on the boat. I can sit on the dock. I can eat your food, which, by the way, if you're from the north, let me just side note, if you're from the north and you say we're having a barbecue, that means a dead pig is involved somewhere in it, okay? If you're cooking hamburgers and hot dogs, it's not a barbecue, it's a cookout. Right, right, right. There we go. So just wanted to kind of set that up. Some of you, that's all you'll get from church today, and that's awesome. Praise the Lord. So, but I, I, can, I can watch you water ski. I can watch you wakeboard. I can watch. I can be a spectator. But I don't have to be a participator. And I have people go, oh, you got to. No, I don't. 48. I don't have to do anything, right? And I've had a Lake Hartwell enema. I know how that feels. I never want to have that again. <laughs> Same thing with snow skiing. If you're going snow skiing, and we've talked about snow skiing before, but if you need, like, one more person to round out your trip, call me. I, I can leave this afternoon. I've got, I can make it happen. And I will go with you. Um, I'll go snowmobiling. I love the snowmobile. I'll uh, ride the little sled down the hill. I'll, I'll do that. Um, I'll go to the spa um, and, and get a massage because most play, places, snow skiing places have massage places and stuff. I'll, all that. Love it. But I'm not going to snow ski. Because I, I, every time I go, I get hurt. I can, be a, I can be a spectator and watch you ski and enjoy it and enjoy the process, but, I, but I'm not going to participate. Now, where this falls short is this thing called skydiving. How many of you have actually been skydiving before? You've ra- Come on, raise your hand. I'm not going to make fun of you much. Um, so, okay, so, so skydiving. I've had somebody recently ask me to go skydiving with them, and the answer is no. Don't say, oh, you didn't go. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would pay to see me skydive? And these are all the people that want me dead. I thought we had, I, thought, <laughs> I thought we were catching y'all at the door. Obviously, we missed it. Like, I'm not, I'm, it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to do it. Oh, you're strapped to somebody, okay? We, we both die. Um, awesome. But, but that's one of those things you can't be a spectator in. You got to participate. And somebody can go, no, no, you can watch people. Oh, yeah, how fun is that? Hey. Hey, they're falling. <laughs> oh, shoot open. And then what, what do you do? You can't, so if you're skydiving with somebody, you're like all in. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is because I know that in my personal walk with God, there's been times where I just want to kind of sit back and take it easy. I wanted to be, be a spectator. I wanted to watch what God was doing. I just didn't want him to really do anything with me because my life was good and comfortable and everything. And that's the way it is with church world. I mean, I, there's been times where I just kind of wanted to sit back 
and be a spectator. But I know this personally from my life and from talking to other people, that God does way more in our lives as individuals when we're willing to take that step to go from spectator to participator. And that's what we're going to talk about starting today all throughout this series. So I'm, I'm super excited about this story because the story I'm going to share with you in the scripture is a story that I've been, re- I've been reading the Bible now for over 45 years, and I've never, ever seen what I'm going to teach on today, and I'm super excited about it. So here we go. If you're a note taker, we're gonna, we got five main points today, okay? The first one is the problem. Whoops, there we go. Up. That's a, yeah, you're right. That's a problem. There we go. Praise the Lord. All right. So we got the problem. Now, let me, let me set this up before we even get to the story. Every single miracle in the Bible started as a problem. And the reason I want to encourage you that with that today is if you have a problem, it means you're a candidate for a miracle. And if you got lots of problems, you're a candidate for lots of miracles. If you have no problems, you can't experience miracles because at the end of the day, God takes problems and turns them into miracles. So that was just for somebody today that walked in with a problem. But that's not even the point of the message. Here we go. The problem is this. One day, the group of prophets came to Elisha. And Elisha was kind of like the spiritual leader, the pastor, whatever in this area. Came to Elisha and told him, as you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. They had... They had what you call growth problems. And all of us have experienced growth problems. If you got kids, you ever bought kids clothes and three months later, like you bought them clothes, you like bought them brand new pants and three months later their pants are like right here. And you're like, don't worry about it. Well, high waters are back in style. Just, just roll with it. Just roll with it. You're a worship leader. Just, just roll with it. Just roll with it, all right? I got to push these down because they are worship leader pants. All right, there we go. We all have experienced growth problems. And, and when we experience those problems, you got to keep buying your kids clothes or whatever. Well, when I was reading this, I, I thought, you know, th- what was going on here? And we don't really know the specifics of what was going on. We just know that they came to Elisha and said, listen, the place where we're meeting is too small, and that is a problem. Just real quick, second chance. The place where we're meeting is too small. Nobody's more shocked about this than me. Like, we we opened up with two services. Then we went to three. We're averaging around 950 people per Sunday every single week. But listen, I can't do an invite your friend message because if every single one of us brought one person with us next week, Yeah, like your friends will be in the parking lot watching the message on Facebook. (laughs) Like, we could have done that at home, right? So so the place where we're meeting is too small. Now, one of the things I'm going to do in this series is tell you all some things that I've never said before. I've been preaching, um, I've been in ministry since 1990, and I've never said some of the things I'm going to say before. And if you know me well, some of these things might shock you. And if you don't know me at all, um, you're going to have to trust me on this. Um, I kind of like it here. I mean, it's comfortable, isn't it? And the reason I like it here is because this is manageable. I mean, you show up every week or every other week, but you sit in the same place. So I know who's here. 
by, because of where you sit. I swear, there's only one, there's, there's one couple that come to the 10 o'clock service, and they sit somewhere different every week. It's the only people I know. Every one of y'all sitting in the same place. If I see y'all miss you at church, how'd you know I wasn't there? Fourth row, third seat in. And some of you, I, I, I know this for a fact because we've had this conversation in the lobby. Some of you get here early just to make sure that nobody gets your seat. And let's be honest, it's comfortable here, isn't it? It's comfortable. And there's part of me that just never wants to leave because this is, this is cool. But then I started thinking about this. You, you know what was more comfortable? This is how we started the church. For those of you that don't know, many of you do, but for those of you that don't know, I had an iPhone 7, and we used Facebook Live, and that's how I launched the church. And you know what? That was comfortable. You know why? Because after I got done with church, I just hit the end button, and I was done for the day. I didn't have to do two or three services. I just end and if I didn't like what somebody said, I could just ban them from my page. The first Sunday that we had a service, I banned over 200 people from my Facebook page. No, they said, I mean, they were mean. I just don't have to listen to that. You know what I'm saying? Ban, 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 ban. That was comfortable. But then, but then, but then we, we started meeting with a group of people. I started meeting with a group of people about 12 or 15 and kind of building a core group. And they would show up every week for the recording. And I would stand in front of a camera and I would preach. And we had lights. And the, and the studio looked huge. Really, it was just a big black curtain and a bunch of lights. And it was me preaching about 12 people. And you know what? I had the conversation with a friend of mine about two weeks before we moved into this place. And we both agreed, you know what? It would just be nice if we stayed here. It would be comfortable. Because I knew everybody coming in the door. And I knew when everybody was going to leave. And, it, and sometimes we all went out to eat together. Like everybody in the church went out to eat together. Can you imagine all of us going to one restaurant out to eat? Dear God. So, so that was kind of comfortable. But then we decided to come to this place. And you know what? I'm glad we came here. I'm glad we were able to step out of our comfort and into commitment. Because you know what I know in just uh, over a year of doing ministry in this place? This place has been a source of hope and a source of healing for so many people. There have been people in this room that have met Christ. There have been people that, that if, if this environment would not have been created, you wouldn't have made it through that season in your life. You wouldn't have made it through that breakup. You wouldn't have made it through that divorce. You wouldn't have made it through that job loss. You wouldn't have made it through the stress. You wouldn't have made it through the anxiety, but because there was a group of people willing to step out of their comfort and into commitment, an environment was created so more and more people could experience the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ in an environment where we all come together and be unified around one purpose. God is a God of second chances. I'm really glad. And so for us, it's just going to take us to be willing to step out of comfort into commitment because at the end of the day, the place where we're meeting is too small. And I don't know about you, but I know more people in this community need the message of hope, need the message of joy, need the message of peace, and they need to know there's a God out there who is still crazy about them no matter what they've been told by other people, especially the religious. Which leads to, which leads to the problem leads to the opportunity. Now, here's the opportunity. I love it when they came to Elisha and they said, hey, we got a problem but we figured out how we're going to solve it. They said, let's go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. 
There, we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them. Go ahead. So they found an opportunity. Now, when I moved to Anderson to go to school, college, Anderson College, that's where I went. Y'all know the reason I went to Anderson College? It's the only school I get into. <laughs> At the time, Anderson, Anderson University is a phenomenal university now. In 1990, if you had a pulse and a checkbook, you could get in. That's how I got my college degree. But Anderson was different in 19, in fact, 1990 was just a different era altogether. Like, one of the most popular TV shows in 1990? Cheers, right? I loved that show. I loved it. One of the most popular movies in 1990 that we still watch every year till this day is Home Alone. One of the most popular songs in 1990. I've seen Hitch. That's all I got right there. That's all I do right there. That's all I do. But in 1990, when I moved to Anderson, I had no idea that this building one day would be Second Chance's opportunity. This building right here um, is, it's, when I moved to Anderson, it was Walmart. Some of y'all didn't know that. It was Walmart. I don't go to Walmart anymore. Uh, because, unless I need a sermon illustration. Because you go to, go to peopleofwalmart.com, you'll understand, okay? I just don't go now, don't go now. Just go later, and you're welcome. But then it became a bilo. This, is, this building is the old bilo. Right next to it is Planet Fitness. It's off of Martin Luther King and Clemson Boulevard. It's just literally right down the road. And there's 28,000 square feet available for us to lease. With 28,000 square feet, we're going to be able to build an auditorium that seats 700, which allows us to double in size from where we are right now. We're going to be able to have children's ministry birth through fifth grade, not just through third grade, but through fifth grade. And we're going to be able, we're going to, be able to, to grow. But th th this, is, this, is an this is an opportunity for all of us. And it's going to take about $2 million. Now, here's the deal with, with $2 million. Here's the deal with $2 million. In the past, I've been able to, like, call banks or email banks and let them know what I need. And we've been able to, like, borrow money and make payments and kind of get in and everything. Not the case this time. Two reasons that banks will not really talk to us. We had one bank that was, re like, really eager to talk to us, and then I hadn't really heard a lot from them in the past week or so. Two reasons banks have not been willing to work with us. Number one, we're too young as a church. We've only been in existence for a year. They said churches have to exist five years. I'm like, I don't have a time machine. Second reason, and I, I'm just saying this, and I told you this back in, I think it was November, December, is they, I literally had somebody tell me, because of the way you are fired last time, there's going to be a lot of people that won't touch you, including us. It's great. It's great. No, it's not wrong. It, it's just life. I'm not a victim. Hey, let me tell you something about victims. Victims never walk in victory. As long as you want to be a victim, you can never walk in victory. So you know what? If, if You know what? That door closed, that's fine. That's fine. There's another one that's going to open. We'll, we'll figure this out. This, this is what I know. 
this is our opportunity. This is our opportunity. And the reason it's our opportunity, I want you to listen to me. Next April, like April 21, 2021, the lease runs out on this building. We've got two options. Go here or go back to a, go back to a video campus. That's all we got. And I don't think God's called us to step backwards. I think he's called us to move forward with this opportunity. Now, let me, let me since this is all in, I'm, this whole series, y'all just, I mean, I'm just going to be so raw and transparent. If you hear, and you'll hear this, I mean, God knows you'll hear it. I've already heard it. Perry just wants to build another big building. I don't. I've, I've seen the, the Christian celebrity side, just to be real honest. The book deals, the conference circuit, the magazine articles, churches being written up and talked about and bragged about. You know what? I don't care if I ever see that again. The thing to me that is the most important is individual people meeting Jesus and finding hope again. And the magazines and the book deals and the conference circuits can go do everything they want to do. I've had that. I've tasted it. It left me empty. What fills my cup is seeing people who feel like they've been lost and abandoned by God find hope again. That's why. That's why. That's why we're going to do this. Now, I want to address this because we get this online all the time, and I'm super flattered, but I just want to address it because people go, when are we going to start a Greenville campus? And when are we going to start a Spartanburg campus? And when are we going to start a Charleston campus? And when are we going to start a Myrtle Beach campus? About 2025 or 2030 if we do it at all. We're not, we're not a campus launch. We're a church plant. When I say we're a church plant, when we, st- when we open this church, I had to write a check for $500 out of my personal checking account so the church could actually have the money to open. We don't have like squillions of dollars sitting in some checking account that we can just kind of throw at people. Like we don't have it. We're a church plant. And, and we would love to be in Greenville. We'd love to be in Spartanburg. We'd love to, but, but we got to get, we got to get something in Anderson first. And this is, I, I just want to say this. I just want to say this. I know it makes some people mad, but that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Because I get people from Greenville going, oh my gosh, it's so hard to come to Anderson every week. It's so hard to come to Anderson every week. It's so hard to come to Anderson every week. I understand. And you can say that if you're not a Clemson football ticket season, season ticket holder. I'm, or Carolina. That's even worse. You drive two hours to see a bad team. So I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying all I'm saying is this. <laughs> All I'm saying is this, a church alive is worth the drive, baby. And so, so you can come from Greenville. You're, you're more than welcome. I just want to, we got to get something started here. And this is our opportunity. And let me tell you why the opportunity is so great. Because they hit, Elijah, they hit Elisha up with this. They said, please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. Which is awesome because Elisha represented the presence of God. Now, this is what I know about our church. We are not perfect. 
There is nothing perfect about this church. We're going we're gonna to screw something up every week. Uh, you don't have the perfect pastor. We don't have perfect people here. Like, we are not perfect. But the one thing I know that is consistent, that's been consistent from day one, ever since we got in this building, is every single Sunday, without exception, I've personally, and I know you have experienced the presence of God, whether it's during a worship set, where it's during a message, where it's during the invitation, the presence of God shows up. And let me tell you why that's so important. It's the presence of God, not the pressure of man that changes lives. You know what I'm talking about when I say the pressure of man? That somebody grabs you and says, read your Bible this much and pray this much and stop doing this and start doing this. You know what? We can do all that. But if we give in to the pressure of man, that change doesn't last. But when you get somebody in the presence of God on a consistent basis, eventually he will bring them from where they are to where they need to be. And God's work is more powerful than man's work. And all I want to do is create an environment where more and more people can experience the presence of God because the presence of God changes lives. So it was like, yeah, 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 go ahead, which leads to number three, the commitment. The commitment. This is where you move from spectator to participator. So, so th- this, is, this is the commitment. So I love, I love what the writer says. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. So there were logs there, but they, it wasn't like you just had a bunch of logs. You had to cut down trees. Now, I don't know if you, I, I remember my dad making me chop firewood. Um, some of you chopped firewood, you made kindling, all that stuff. I don't know if you did that. But you ever chopped down a tree? It's hard work. So with the group that went down there, I think we could all agree that there are some people that are capable of chopping down like one tree. And there's some people capable of like chopping down 10 trees. Like imagine Philip. <laughs> Philip's like a 10 tree guy. He's a big dude. He's str- Y'all, he is strong. I'm, I'm not making fun of him. Like he does that CrossFit stuff. He's crazy strong. He's crazy strong. I can just see Philip just not even using the axe, just walking up, just ripping up a tree. Because CrossFit people do that, like rip up a tree and do like jumping jacks after they rip up the tree and kind of go to the next tree. Philip grew his beard out. He looked like Paul Bunyan, right? He's just, he's just massive. He's a strong dude. And then there's somebody over there like working on your little tree and you kind of... But some, I can, some people are capable of more than others, but everybody can do something. Could we agree? Now, this is where it's going to get tense. Because you talk about, do you know, like, have you ever noticed I just don't talk about certain stuff? Because it it makes people, like, politics. (laughs) A lot has happened this week in the political world. And you know what? They just serve up so many awesome sermon illustrations. It's so hard for me to resist. But I don't talk about it, do I? You know why? It's sensitive. It's sensitive. Like if I even, like even the fact that I mentioned it, some people are mad that I'm not, not talking about it. Sensitive. Certain subjects we don't talk about. Like if I said next Sunday, next Sunday here at Second Chance, we're going to do a message on having a healthy body for God. So when you walk in, we're going to have a scale We're going to ask you to step on it, and your weight is actually going to appear on the screen. 
everybody's like, you know what, I'm watching from home next week. I'm going to be good. I've got to feel something coming on, including me. I'm not showing up next Sunday either. Because it'll prove that what we put on our driver's license is a lie. So we talk about sensitive stuff. So, um, But this is where you got to talk about money. See? Got tense, didn't it? But listen, I can say this with integrity, and if you've been around since day one, you can agree with this, and if you haven't, you're just going to have to trust me. We've been in this building for over a year, and for over a year, when I get on stage and do the offering prep, all I've done was say thank you. I haven't done a tithe or die message, have I? Nope. In fact, I haven't talked about money very much at all, have I? Yes or no? No, I haven't. But you know you, you know what it's going to take for us to get to that next location? About $2 million. And some of us can chop down one tree, and some of us can chop down 10 trees, but all of us can do something. So if you're not a giver, I want to invite you to step in to start becoming a regular giver here at Second Chance. And if you are a giver, I would ask you to begin to pray about what you can do, what else you can do to help us get there. Because here's what, here's what it's about. It's not about us getting to a, another building. It's about God doing something significant in every one of our lives as we participate in what he's doing. So, so, so they're at the Jordan, and they're chopping down trees. And let me show you why this isn't about the building. It's about individuals. Because, number four, you got the distraction. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm distracted easily. Very easily. And as a dad, if you're a dad, none of us know what we're doing. We just need to go ahead and admit that. Like all the articles about how to be a great dad, if you Google them, they're all written by women. Um, because, because we can't focus on how to be a great dad. Uh, that, that's all we can say. So I just figured any time I left the house with Karis when she was a child, if I brought her back, that was the win. But one time we went out to get some ice cream. Now, I love ice cream. I, love, I, th I think ice cream is so great. I'm getting some ice cream this afternoon. I eat ice cream. Some people are like, it's too cold for ice cream. You're probably not a Christian because it's never too old. It's never too cold for ice cream. So I'm going to go get some ice cream today. So I, we went to this ice cream place, and I'm looking at all these flavors of ice cream, and I'm so fascinated. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to get. And I, and, and I turn to my right, and I look, and Karis is gone. I have failed as a father, right? And isn't it funny, as a dad, how quick you can go from happy to, the, like, Liam Nielsen and Taken and just, like, five seconds, you're like, I will rip somebody's throat. And so, luckily, she had just kind of moved to the person behind her, and I was able to get her and kind of, you know, whatever. But I got distracted. Now, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, what we see sometimes is a distraction. Really, isn't a distraction. It's actually the reason that we're doing ministry. Because you got this huge building project going on. Elisha's there, and logs, and you got Philip ripping up trees over here, and you got everything coming together, and there's all these moving parts, and you got some, obviously, you got some finances involved in order to get it. And then, and then, but as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he replied, it was a borrowed axe. Now, when I first read this, I was like, okay, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. You got a massive building project, and you got. Alan, I just gave him that name. That's not his name. You got Alan, the axe guy, who, who lost his axe. What, what does this have to do with building this? There are more important things going on here, Alan. 
then you losing your, you lo- I'm sorry, you lost your axe head. Do you need a hug? But this wasn't a, dis- this was- notice I put distraction in, in, in quotes because it wasn't a distraction. It was because per- the guy with the axe was borrowed. By the way, that's an even bigger deal because in that society, if you borrowed something, you couldn't pay it back, then you were actually charged double. So there was a lot of fear in his statement. But, but don't miss this. Alan, the axe guy, he lost his axe in the middle of doing something he thought he was supposed to be doing. He was in the middle of doing something great. He was in the middle of doing something awesome. He was in the middle of being involved in a work of God, and he lost something that was important to him. See, one of the things we talk about in church world a lot is like if you're out there doing the stuff you're not supposed to be doing and you hit a dead end or you lose something, you probably deserved it and God's getting you back. But, but what about the people? What about the people? What about the people that were trying to do the right thing? You know, you were showing up and you were reading your Bible and you were praying and you were giving, you were serving. There was some point in your life and your past that you thought you were doing all the right things and then you lost something that was valuable to you. There's people in this room or watching online. You've lost something that was valuable to you. You lost a marriage. You lost a friendship. You lost a job. Just about lost your sanity. You, you've, you've lost the ability to hold it together sometimes. You've lost something. And in the grand scheme of things, like building this big building, a project, you think it's unimportant. But let me, let, me, let me let you know something. You're not a distraction from the ministry. You're the reason we actually gather together every single week. You're not a distraction. You're the reason. Um, the, the reason I, I, I know this is because, and you, as you're going to see in a minute, we don't even know by the time the story ends if the building gets built but we know what happens to the axe guy. We know that because of the miracle. And every single person here in this room and every single person watching online, here's the one thing I know about every single one of us. Every one of us need a miracle in our lives. In some area of our lives, we need a miracle. Whether it's physical, whether it's relational, whether it's financial, whether it's spiritual, we need a miracle. We need a breakthrough. Our church needs a miracle right now. We ain't got $2 million. We need a miracle, but shame on us, and shame on me as the pastor, if we focus on the big picture miracle, and we lose sight of the miracle that each other needs. The reason I get that is because this is what happened. Where did it fall, the man of God asked? Why was he even concerned? Because people matter. And where did it fall, by the way, completely stupid question on the surface, right? Have you ever have you ever lost your keys and you went or you lost your phone and you went to your friend and said, I lost my keys. Where'd you lose them? The, what? Does it matter? Philip, bring me one of those trees. I want to hit this guy. Like, like that, like I had a friend one time, this is a true story. Do you know you could there's a little thing you can get for your keys, you a little thing you put on your keychain, it's like this little square thing. You got this little thing, other thing you can put push when you lose your keys and your keys will yell at you until you come get them. Did y'all know that? 
I had a friend one time that put that thing and the remote control on the keys. Um, <laughs> he was like, I lost my keys, but I got one of those little finder things. I was like, where is it? He was like, it's on the key. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to need to go to the third chance. All right, so, so where did it fall, the man of God ask? When he showed him the place, don't, don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. What he was really asking is, hey, take me to the place where you lost your hope. Take me to the place where you lost your faith. And for some of us, we, we lost our hope. We lost our faith somewhere, and God's like, take me to that place. Because the place where you got hurt is actually the place you're going to get healed. Take me to the place where you lost your faith. The guy takes him there. And then, watch this. Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Pause. Now, most of you have read the rest of the story. You know what happens. But this guy hadn't read 2 Kings 6 yet. He didn't know. Can you imagine going to, like, the man of God? And going, and he's going, take me where you lost it. So you think he's going to go out and just kind of pray it up or kind of part the water because there's that story about Moses parting the water or whatever. And so he gets out there, and he, there's a stick, and he just like gets a stick and throws it in the water. Nobody here would be like, man, that is, that is incredible. Can't wait to see what happens. Can you imagine this guy? Elijah throws a stick in the water. He's like, what? I, I didn't, I don't need a stick. I need an axe. I'm going to take the rest of that stick and beat you with it. Like, I, I don't need this. I need, I need the axe hand. It's in the water. And just, but, but this is just a reminder to me about that song we sang a while ago. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Did you know that God will bring a miracle about in your life in ways that you never saw it coming? In fact, if, if we saw it coming, it wouldn't be the miracle. If God had done what we asked him to do when we asked him to do it, it wouldn't have been a miracle. And so Elisha cutting the stick and throwing it in the water is just a reminder. God works and moves in ways in our lives that we never anticipated him doing to begin with. And I love it. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Can you imagine him? He's like, what in the world? This is a, oh, snap. But that's not the miracle. That's not the miracle. If the story ended here, it'd be like, like we wouldn't know what happened. But I love what Elisha said. Grab it. Grab it, Elisha said. It's a good word, Elisha. That's my attitude when I go out to Cracker Barrel and they bring one of those big trays full of biscuits. I'm like, grab it. Grab it. He said, grab it. In other words, the miracle's in front of you, but if you stand there and just admire it, you're never going to experience it you got to grab hold of what God put in front of you. So you need to grab it. And the man reached out and grabbed it. I love this. I love this. I love this. Because God said, I'm going to put the miracle in front of you. you got to have the courage to grab and hold on to the miracle. For us as a church, God's put the opportunity and the miracle in front of us. It's just right down the street. we got to grab it. But as individuals... I don't ever want us to be the church that celebrates something big happening for a building but doesn't celebrate something big happening for people. I want for every single one of us in this experience to experience a miracle and breakthrough in our lives because here's what I know. 
as each one of us experience a miracle and a breakthrough, the church will get where we need to go. We'll get to where we need to be. I have absolute faith and confidence in that. You know why? Because at the end of the day, God is a way maker. And when it seems like there is no way, God will make a way. So let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. It has nothing to do with the church. It has everything to do with you. What's the miracle that you need in your life right now? What's the miracle that you need in your life today? We'll talk more about the building and the process and all that stuff later. But I want for you to walk out of these doors today with hope that God's going to bring you a breakthrough. He's going to bring it in a way that you never saw it coming. And it will be better than you imagined. So with that, can we all stand for prayer? Father, I want to thank you right now, Jesus, that you are a way maker. And I pray for every single person in this room, God, that just needs a breakthrough, that needs a miracle. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now, I don't know what that miracle is that you need, but why don't you just lift it up to God right now? You can just do it in your heart. Just tell him, God, I need a miracle in this part of my life. Maybe you haven't talked to God in a long time. But right now, you just need to tell him, God, I need to see a miracle. If you can make an axe head float, if you can bring a dead man back to life, you can bring this breakthrough about for me. God, I need to see this miracle. And as you're praying this, as you're praying this, I want you to believe that even if we don't see him working, he is still working. Even if we don't see him moving, he is still moving. 